This is Orbax and Pepper New Science, and today we're talking about Tycho Brahe. Greetings, junior scientists, scientists, and citizens of this great, big, weird, wild, wonderful world in which we live. I, as always, am your humble science communicator, the great Orbex, and joined by my side is my long-suffering lab assistant, Sweet Pepper Klopek. How are you doing today, Pepper? I'm fantastic. How are you, buddy? I'm well. This is a very... I'm so excited to be doing this podcast. It's so fun uh, getting this opportunity to bring not only things about science, but stories about science to people. It, it's uh, it's exciting to me. This one uh, for today is a story that, okay, well, a couple things. First, it's this story is everywhere now. I mean, it's kind of one of these, become one of these stories about science that you hear about all the time. But when I was doing my undergraduate in the late 90s, uh, I first heard about this guy and this story, and my mind was blown to a different level <laughs> of, now- than I ever had before. Was it blown because of all the different pronunciations of his name, or was well, it because? See, <laughs> see, back in the time, there was uh, we, I only there was only one. one. Way. There was only one way because he couldn't even look it up on Google. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about. All right, here we go. I guess drum roll, please, on this one. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Tycho Brahe. Um, if you go anywhere to check this or to double check this, you will get not only that pronunciation, but many other pronunciations. You get Tycho well. Brahe. Tycho Brahe. Tycho Brahe, Tycho Bra, Tycho Brahe, Tycho. I'm lost. <laughs> so well, I, what, let's just, what are we going to, from here on out, let's just, let's just refer to as Tycho maybe. Okay. Let's just stick with Tycho. Because when you look at like, you know, the, the Tycho Nova and the Tycho Creator, right? Like they usually refer to it as that, right? Or is it Tycho? That's, I don't know. Nope, that's a hear good both point. Too. What's Tycho? Call it. I don't know. I don't know who we're asking here because nobody's going to answer us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, they we'll will answer us afterwards. Believe yeah, me. Afterwards, <laughs> let's stick with Tycho. Well, Tycho Brahe is a is a Danish astronomer. Just Tycho. Fr- Tycho. <laughs> All right. Tycho's a Danish astronomer that, like I said, you've probably heard of this story or heard of parts of this story. Um, it, it's become kind of a well trod series of anecdotes because there are so many ridiculous things in his life. Uh, but also, I think one of the big things that are overlooked is sort of the wealth of knowledge that he brought to the field of astronomy. Um, that really doesn't get brought up that much. Usually they just bring up the ridiculous antics that are involved in his life and his many exhumations after his death. <laughs> so I guess we'll just start this right off. Um, take, okay. Tycho. Uh, that's not bad. Was born fourteenth uh, December fifteen forty six. So we're going back to the fifteen hundreds with this one. That's um, a long time ago, buddy. It is a long time ago. And the one of the most famous quotes about him is that he's the first competent mind in modern astronomy to feel ardently the passion for exact empirical facts. There you go. Boom. It's a good thing to know because it's 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 funny. You know, we always think of this sort of scientific method as being this thing that's kind of existed forever. But in the 1500s, we're still in the age of alchemy at this point, right? Um, that it's, he dabbled in as well. Exactly. And it's important to note that he's an astronomer who's studying the heavens prior to the invention of telescopes. Yeah, we're talking pre-telescopes, people. So this is all just with like a cross-staff 
and some string. And he was so deadly accurate that it's, it almost seems like not real. Like it's, it's crazy yeah. that he could do this. Well, and let's give you a little bit of, uh, I did a little looking up of like what's happening at the time. So we're in the 1500s. Okay. Um, so I'm going to assume not much. Yeah. Well, we're still, we're still in the middle of the black death. Um, so we've got the bubonic plague sweeping through Europe. We're still over a hundred years from when Newton uh, publishes Principia Mathematica. So we're still a hundred years away from getting the first fundamental Newton's laws of, of, of physics and calculus to any extent. We're also still about a decade away from Galileo even being born. So this is how far back we are in in the history of science at this point, which is I don't know. To me, it's kind of one of those things, and 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 I'm guilty of it. It's as soon as you say like to me 1500s, I don't know if that means King Henry the Eighth times. It might well, as well be Egyptian times. It could yeah, be dinosaurs <laughs> running around. I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I don't know. So it's I, I thought that was interesting to put into context. But anyway, uh, so Tycho is born of Danish nobility, and not just Danish nobility. He's like everybody in his family is a Danish nobleman. Um, his mother's side, his father's side, his grandparents are on the Danish King's Privy Council. His so great grandparents on every single side are on the Danish King's Privy Council. This is like upper, upper echelon of royalty and nobility. Top shelf liquor right there, buddy. <laughs> exactly. And with that comes quite a bit of kizash. This is, uh, if you want to talk about privilege, I guess, this... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is in, in, in a world where people are, uh, where serfdom exists, where there's feudalism, there is a gap between the rich and the poor that is, pardon the pun, astronomical. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you very much. I might, we might as well just cancel the podcast yeah, at that point. It's like you either get, what, two potatoes a week and you sleep in the dirt and then you're uber rich, like you're like Bezos rich yeah it's yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. Like it's just- exactly so there's quite a bit of stuff that that there, there's all this type of stuff that we can get into about his family and talk about he's the oldest of 12 children eight of those children live which is again you know talking about the socioeconomic climate of the time that's even phenomenal uh, he's got a twin brother who dies before he's baptized so you could get into all the, the 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 church elements of that whole thing um but for some reason or another his uncle ends up taking him on and raising him there's some uh, so debate he, whether he was kidnapped or just given to his uncle. It's a weird. Yeah, it's there's there's a lot of nebulousness in this uh, story because, regardless of how exact the data that Tycho started to collect was, we are not in a time of well kept records. <laughs> the 1560s, it turns out, is not that period. Yeah, but not a hotbed for taking notes. <laughs> there's a few things we do know. So. Danish nobility, he's got a ton of money, he's raised by his uncle, potentially from nefarious reasons or not, um, but then he basically go, starts by uh, his studies at the University of Copenhagen at the age of 12. Now, this might seem extraordinarily young, but we also have to remember that back at those times, uh, you didn't have like a series of schooling that you went through. It wasn't like kindergarten, grade one, grade two, high school. You were basically taken on at a university and studied almost like an apprenticeship. You tried to learn from people who were in that field, who were doing things of that field. And the other thing to point out is that at university was the only place you could even get books at this time. Yeah. 
there was no chapters, no Indigo, no, no uh, Barnes and Nobles. It was, and, and you know, it was for the for the uber rich mostly. Like you couldn't just get one. And well, plus, you're going to university at twelve because what's the life expectancy? Forty, forty five. Well, this is the big thing, right? And you're so, almost midlife at twelve. Like it's like you're it's crazy. It, Exactly. So he goes there, he starts his studies, his uncle wants him to be a lawyer. And you know, when you talk about law and civil service, and they're always pushing for this kind of thing, again, it's not in the structure that it is today. He was a nobleman, his, his parents and his grandparents and everybody were politicians, and they wanted him to learn basically the information required to be able to do things like go be a liaison to another country to go be an ambassador somewhere here, and to bring things back to Denmark. But he is uh, not so much interested in the law. Um, he, in 1560, at the age of 14 years old, he sees his first solar eclipse. Now, again, back at the time, we remember the bubonic plague. We see eclipses. People are running, thinking that this is God's wrath, uh, that the sun is being pulled from the sky. But the thing that blows Tycho's mind is that this eclipse was predicted. Yeah, and he, none of the other stuff mattered. He was so blown away by the fact that they knew specifically when this was going to happen. How and why did they know that? And exactly. that sparks in the brain, and we're off and running. Yeah, that's when and, the obsession begins, right? Absolutely, especially for astronomy. But beyond astronomy, it sparks this love of empiricism, which is this idea. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, we're before calculus. We're before this idea of of, of even mathematical modeling. Um, especially in terms of the sky. And we're looking at this, this concept that you are living in a time where primarily, I mean, there, there aren't even any astronomical instruments, right? We're talking about things like sextants. Uh, we're talking about quarter staffs. We're talking about all of that type of thing. So we're primarily living in a time where you're living through things. And Tycho realizes that if you record the things that you observe, you will be able to make predictions based on those observations. And the more accurate those observations are, the more accurate those predictions can be. So the collection of empirical data, the applying it to, I mean, basically just rational thought means that you can see, potentially see the future at this point. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's so cool. So, it's, it, um, you know, it gives him an opportunity to, to start studying and he studies astronomy from wherever he can. He also picks up astrology. Our boy's got to make some money. So he starts doing horoscopes as well, <laughs> but he, uh, he manages to weasel around this whole thing of his family wanting him to get into law. He, uh, continues to do his studying and he notices when he's 16 years old, he views a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. And he recognizes that from the current tables, the predictions are incorrect. This pushes him even more so to do his studying. So then and starts the logging of absolutely everything. Yes. You want to talk from, about that for a bit, Pepper? That's from, uh, Just from here on out, it's like, you know, I picture uh, it's just a, a funny thing to be, you know, occasionally I go outside and look up. I'm like, oh. See some nice stars tonight. Then I come back in the house. It's pleasant. But can you imagine like fanatically just all night, every night he logged. It's not like he did it once a week. He was out there every night looking for, you know, if has anything moved? Is there any parallax going on between what I can see here and everything? It was like he was dedicated to those stars and what was going on up there. 
and it's fascinating. I don't want to jump too far ahead here. About well, but the, the interesting thing about this is that, you know, you know, this seems like such a rudimentary thing, right? This is you go out, you look at the sky, you write down what you observe, and then that's it. But this this wasn't happening before this. You know, I and, just think and, about it now. We walk out and say, Oh, there's the big dipper. Cause I know what it is. Someone's called it that. And I know what to look for. He didn't like, he was just looking up. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and again, I mean, you can argue about uh, concepts of light pollution that there's that much more to have seen back then mm-hmm. as well. And the other thing that, that I find so interesting to me, which, which never gets addressed in this type of thing is that, and as a physicist, this is always a, a thing that's constantly in my mind is that the observer affects this type of observation so much so that when at the time you might be reading through books or listening to other people's records of certain things none of that matters because it's applying that person's screen to it right so if somebody says this star is bright well what does that mean to you it's not like they actually had a measure of the luminosity of that star they're just saying this is brighter than this well i mean of course it is at this point you don't even recognize that maybe potentially if you're 100 miles away you see a different sky at night right so you have one person who now is clocking all this stuff obsessively, but can also tell you individually, this is brighter tonight than it was yesterday. This is in a different position than it was before. Um, and at that point, uh, well, uh, we might as well just get into this. This is what is probably the most famous part about Tycho. Um, we're up to a point where he's about 20 years old at this point. He's studying medicine. Again, this is one of these things where these people are all polymaths. They're studying medicine. They're studying astronomy. They're studying astrology. They're dabbling in alchemy. I mean, uh, realistically, scientists at that time, you weren't just an astronomer. You just did science. Because you had to learn how to do all these things and make all these things work in order to get your experiments completed. You know, you had to be a metallurgist because you had to figure out how to, <laughs> how to make the instruments. You had to be an engineer because you who else is going to build your your uh, equipment for you, right? They can't just go to a scientific supply company and uh, order a bunch of stuff online. There was exactly. Nothing. There was nothing. <laughs> and so as happens with most young people, a 20-year-old um, Tycho gets into a fight with his uh, third cousin after a long night of drinking. Yeah, to interject here, there's a lot of alcohol throughout this whole thing. We're just kind of skipping over. Just assume he's drunk 90% of this uh, this yeah, podcast here. It, it, he's it, just it, like, it, it seems like it. Like yeah. the uh, consumption of wine, again, seems uh, astronomical. <laughs> it's, but I mean, again, that's a thing of the aristocracy, right? There wasn't this any of these studies of alcoholism or anything like that. This was just what you did. So he gets into a drunk fight with his third cousin. And the story that I originally heard when I was an undergraduate student was that it was over a mathematical uh, issue. So whether it was a favorite mathematician or a favorite mathematical formula is up to some debate. But as was the uh, style at the time, uh, when you could not resolve an argument as such, you went out and tried to kill each other. (laughs) So they have a duel. And in that duel... uh, Neither of them dies, luckily, but in that duel, he uh, suffers a blow to the face that takes off his nose. Mm-hmm. And gives him a nice scar on the forehead, too. Exactly. Now, there's been debate throughout time whether Tycho is the man with the golden nose. Uh, you've probably seen images or pictures of him where his whole nose was was just a giant gold. It looks like the uh, old Groucho glasses were just stuck on his face. Um, there's some debate as to it was probably 
probably he didn't even lose like the actual tip of his nose. It was probably a chunk of the bridge of his nose, they were saying. But I mean, it's all over the place when you look back at the, the information. Which is a really, when you think about it too, because like when, when I first read that, I'm like, that's a weird blow to take to the face with a sword. If it, you know what I mean? Like, or did he just catch the side and he just, whoop, and he tried to. Well, that's my, and you got to think too, like I, I heard a lot of this time. So dueling scars was a whole thing, right? Like it was a fashion um, where it was like you went out, you settled your business and you looked like a tough guy because you had like this a scar across your cheek or something yes, like, like that. Ooh, let that guy win the argument. I don't want to go back there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was kind of like what happened with dueling pistols is, you know, the pistols themselves were not very good pistols. They yeah. weren't necessarily accurate. Deadly or accurate. Yeah, so I don't think, you know, you're necessarily taking, like, a total short sword chopped to the face that's trying to kill you. You're taking in a pay or, like, a fencing sword or something that's, like, going to teach you a lesson. But what's always <laughs> phenomenal to me back then, if you've ever gone to any of these these old uh, surgery museums or looked at any of this stuff, is I don't know how, even if you got a splinter, you didn't die of dysentery at this period of time. How do you they, lose a chunk of your nose and not end up getting a, an infection that that that, that is back, it? Back then, what do they do? Come over and rub like a yam on it or something for some magical property that it has? Like what would? You yeah, know, I guess I, right. It'd be, be a mandrake root and ginseng, yeah, and then, like, <laughs> then you're good. I don't want to lose my nose now, let alone what like 500 years ago. Like, <laughs> no thanks. And so, and because he's he's of the aristocracy, they're able to fashion him a prosthetic, which is uh, actually is a pretty impressive feat at the time. Um, now, you, they've heard things. He's been exhumed multiple times in the interim. Um, you know, this idea of him having a full golden nose has kind of been broken down to like it was probably just a plate made out of brass. And he probably had fancier noses for fancier occasions. Yeah, it's probably a gold <laughs> or silver for like big dinner parties, right? I want to put the yeah. good nose on. Exactly. So this is probably one of the major things that you've heard about Tycho before. But at this time, you got to realize he's uh, hot-headed enough to get into drunk arguments and lose part of his nose. He's passionate and obsessive about clocking of the heavens. But it's a right about this time that his father-uncle dies. So his father-uncle uh, goes out, and this is another story. His father-uncle goes out for a night of drinking with the uh, king of Denmark. King of Denmark falls in the lake, I guess, uh, having too many Tuborgs. It is the, the beer of Danish kings at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, his father-uncle jumps in, saves him, gets pneumonia, dies. Yeah. And at this point, Tycho officially inherits about 1% of the entire wealth of Denmark. Yep. <laughs> so he's 20 years old. Not he's a bad a, gig. He's got a golden nose. I looked it up to put it in, in some context. The GDP of Denmark now is $350 billion. So 1% of that is $3.5 billion. So At he the time had, when people have absolutely, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And they said over the course of his, his – uh, so over the course of his research, which we'll get into um, – he ba- they basically spend five times that funding his research, the Danish government, which is about the budget of NASA. So <laughs> this is yeah, we're talking that. we're talking about serious money in a time where people have legitimately nothing, 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 nothing. So he has this 
scientific background. He now has a wealth of money. He goes out and he does some stuff for the king. Um, he gets artisans and people to come back and to bring things back to the Danish palace in Denmark. And all of this time, he's doing this to curry favor with the king. And the king eventually says, you know what? You should be our astronomer. Um, and this is this is, is working well for him. He's carving out quite a name for himself as not only a, a famous person in Denmark and in Europe, but as this famous royal sort of astronomer. And this probably brings us to like the first big piece of science that he actually finds, which is, uh, which is, uh, well, do you want to talk about it, Pepper? I you can start here. I'm just going yeah. through my, flipping well, my notes it, over here. It's this first big thing basically happens. So, okay. Again, where's all the science in this? Well, Tycho, while he's getting uh, drunk and losing his nose, while he's getting all this money, he is still going out and clocking daily observations. And it's the 11th of November, 1572. He's looking at the constellation of Cassiopeia, and he notices suddenly that one of the stars is really, really, really bright. Mm -hmm. Like, really bright. Yeah. Like, you would not necessarily notice it if you just looked up at the sky because you weren't looking at it every day. But all of a sudden, boom. And it turns out now... We can look back and it turns out he's actually seen the first recorded supernova. Mm -hmm. The dying of that that? star, the nuclear obliteration of that star. And you would have never seen it. And this is this type of thing has been happening for hundreds, thousands of years. But no one's been looking up and just writing down what they saw. Mm -hmm. And this was a game changer because this was at the time the heavens were unchanged was the thought. Yeah, yeah. Anything that was different was in our own atmosphere. Yeah, that yeah. Was so the, the thought, idea right? beyond the moon, we have the unchangeable yeah. uh, firmament, right? Nothing and we have changes. these celestial spheres, and we, we, you know, we could not see that. That was the workings of God. Only what we saw in our own atmosphere up to the moon was it. And he said, "In your face." <laughs> well, this is the great. Kind of guy he was. So he put out. He 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 publishes his first book. Not only does he publish his first book, he actually creates his own publishing house to publish this because that's what you had to do at the time. But he publishes his first book uh, called De Nova Stella. He coins the term Nova for a new star. He's the first one to do that. And the writing in the preface, and uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to even pronounce this, so I'll just go with the English version. The writing of the preface, uh, he starts with, Oh, thickwits, oh, blind watchers of the sky. So this is a guy who basically in his first book calls out everybody else as being stupid while he sits there with his uh, dueling scar on his face and half a nose. I love um, it. And throws it out there. He's like, I just did this. Boom. Mic drop. So yeah. he's he's a celebrity now. He's uh, uh, and, and he's got all this money. And not only that, he convinces the king at this point to give him a place to have an observatory. Cause he's basically like, look, I'm a celebrity scientist. I'm going to go into the heart of science and start studying with people. I'm going to build an astronomer, you know, I'm going to build a lab, build an observatory. I keep thinking of, you know, what, every time I say an observatory, I keep thinking I'm going to go get a good telescope. There's no telescopes yet. Yeah. We're still, <laughs> we're still pre telescopes here. Right? We're still pre telescope. So, so he's, he's going to have a really big cross staff. Like, a- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It. We'll get into some of his equipment. I found all his. I found this really straight stick. I'm going well, to use it to look into the sky. But that's basically it. And he's the only one who can afford the straightest stick and the biggest <laughs> straightest stick. Like seriously. So he um he and so so he's going to leave. And the king's like, well, we can't lose like our big celebrity who's also worth <laughs> a yeah. lot of money. Yeah, he so, leaves a lot of the money's uh, in that yeah. country is Gonzo. 
So they give him a they give him an island. There's people that live on that island <laughs> that weren't too happy about it because they nope. were kind of forced into slave labor to build his new observatory yeah. and the giant yeah. stick. But Tycho gets this island, and he builds. Uh, uh, let me look it up here so I can pronounce this the right way. Star Castle. Yeah, what's it called? Uh, Uraniborg. Yeah, is that? Am I saying that right? Well, I don't know if you're saying it right, but I know what you're. uh... Yeah, so he builds the Star Castle. Um, Oh yeah, Uraniborg, named after Uranus or Urania, the uh, the 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 goddess of the stars. It was a palace castle observatory kind of all in one and apparently the, it was a very windy island so they had to build an underground observatory tomb as well so these poor people on this island were like come on we just built a palace now we got to dig out like well, a giant underground observatory but and, and apparently it got so bad that like the the, the 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 people who live on the island actually end up having to sue him uh because <laughs> which is also a weird story because it just kind of put everything in pay it didn't really change anything like because no. No, they just got it in writing that they were going to be slaves, I guess. Like, it was a weird... <laughs> yeah, it turns out when your buddy's the king, a lot of that kind of works out. But actually, it turns out that around this time, his buddy wasn't the king anymore. The king's son took over, and he's kind of getting on the outs. Because you got to remember, like, science is kind of a brand new thing. And science is also kind of like magic-y. And as it does now, it turns off a lot of people who don't know about it. And... um I'm, I'm not just going to put this out there. I don't think Tycho is necessarily the friendliest and most embracing to the non-scientific community. Uh, and he was a chronic hoarder of his data. Like he wasn't letting stuff out of there. So he's got this palace observatory. He brings in artisans. There's, there's incredible art and mosaics in there. There's a, and he's. Well, there's also, he had a little person on staff that he was yes. like his court jester that would just get drunk and insult people for his, uh, Yep, yeah, his own Jeff, amusement, and yep, he and had he'd, a, have, he'd have big dinner parties, and Jeff would be under the table, would yeah, be living under this table, being a jerk, and yeah, and he also had an elk or yes. and or a moose running around. That well, I think it, I think it was an elk, and in the parlance of North American stories, it got changed to a moose, but it would make the most sense in Denmark that it's an elk. Indeed, an elk. but he had a lot of money. You never know. Maybe he got a moose imported. He's got moose money. <laughs> so they had a he had a moose. It was his best. But in Drinking Pal, which is a, another weird, weird story. Yeah, who met a sad end uh, because the moose got drunk and fell down the stairs. Yeah, and died. <laughs> and died. But uh, he also created, from what I can tell, might be some of the first plumbing in Europe at the time. Because he created like a pressure differential system that allowed for sanitary conditions of basically sweeping out whatever effluent might have come about from these drunken elk which is kind of a funny parties. ironic thing that he did considering how he ended his yeah so th- th- this is so so i mean just from those parts of the story you're like what's going on here but again this is also in the time of the aristocracy and i mean th- there's no rules for anything if you have money you 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 basically own people and you're you're collecting this data constantly so the the equipment I, I found this listing of equipment that he had and it's it's ridiculous I'll, I'll put a link to it in the notes I mean he's he's basically creating giant armillary spheres if you've never seen these spheres they're those um, they look like globes like an old school globe but they're they're concentric rings wrapped around the whole thing and it basically lets you like plot segments of the sky 
but they're huge. They're like two meters across these things. And again, it's like Pepper was saying, it's the biggest, straightest stick. He was just able to make the biggest, most refined versions of these things. And in doing so, he categorizes the positions of like a thousand stars. Yeah, it's, it, it, he... Um... By 1592, he had accurately recorded 777 stars. And they say back then, you know, you could be out, I don't know what the, uh, he was like within one one thousandth of a degree in his accuracy. And before then it was a hundred times that, right? Because no one could really nail it down. Mm -hmm. But he was so, I, I can't imagine having the patience to, you know, spend all night, every night, just being that accurate with basically your hands and a piece of metal. And it's like, it's just, it's absolutely mind boggling to me that he could be so accurate well, without a telescope or without modern instruments. The passion for it too. So you're, you're saying, what did you say? It was by 1590? 1592. So 1560 is kind of about when he starts. So for, for 30 years, effectively, he's in his fifties at this point, he's been passionate about astronomy and clocking the skies for about 30 years. It's mind blowing. I mean, yeah, it's it really is. It's 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 innovative. Like you said, he was doing alchemy at the time too. He's he's fiddling with everything. Um, in 1577, he discovers that he finds a comet that he can prove is external to the moon and that it's not just in the atmosphere of Earth, which again was this huge thing about where things were in the firmament. He introduces mm -hmm. this uh, uh, version of the solar system where the planets orbit the sun and the sun and the moon orbit the earth mm -hmm. because he felt that the earth was too massive and sluggish to like really orbit anything properly. But it, it, which, which, you know, I, I guess it's funny. It's easy to sit here and say that sounds silly, but it only sounds silly because we know it's not the case because we can get up there and see it. Try doing it from Denmark with you and your moose and you can't yeah. <laughs> you're just trying to come up with a version of this that makes sense. So he was, it, he was close though. Right? He was like he really close. Yeah, he wasn't too far off. So. And again, we're, we're before Galileo was even born at this point. He's coming up with these ideas, right? Because uh, famously with Galileo and the heliocentric uh, universe and the changes there and, and, and the controversy that came from there. So, I mean, all of this is going on. Uh, he is quickly coming to the end of his life at this point. Um, but in 1600, he takes on an apprentice who uh, most of you have probably heard of, named Johannes Kepler. And Kepler ends up uh, creating the planetary laws of motion, discovering the elliptical orbits of the planets and putting together all the mathematical rigor that allows us to predict things. This is the legacy of Tycho's life. His collected data, not in his own lifetime, but after that is used to be the fundamental basis of how we view the motions of the planets. Mind-blowing, right? And you're probably thinking, this man has met a noble death at this point. He has died of, of uh, uh, in battle, perhaps. Perhaps just he has passed cool away of old age. He is just maybe too cool for Denmark at this point. But there's a lot of theories about how he died. One's poisoning. People thought he was poisoned for a long time. That's That goes in and out of debate. Again, he's been exhumed multiple times to see whether or not uh, he was poisoned. They found mercury in him. They found gold in him. Yeah, uh, but when you're an alchemist, I think you're just exposed to a lot of stuff indeed. is what it comes down and to. And I think they, they agreed with that and said it was probably uh, – 
not enough for poisoning, but it was just the fact that maybe he had metal leaching into his face because he had a weird hunk of something on there with some paste that only knows who, what, what, what was the paste that could hold a hunk of metal on? Like, dude, they were, they were using mercury dust or lead, (laughs) sorry, lead dust and wigs like right around this time. Right. And you can't tell me that, you know, if you're creating these sanitary systems, I mean, I mean, you could be decanting your wine literally, uh, with mercury chasers at this point. And right. I, I wouldn't be surprised by any of it. They were drinking gold. It was common for the aristocracy to have gold leaf in their wine. And it's not like they were having a small shot of, of gold in their wine and having a little shot of wine. They were just having constant uh, drinking, constant wine and gold. <laughs> but, so we know that didn't kill him. Yes. So we do, yeah, we do at least know that didn't kill him. However, this is, again, the story that I heard in my undergrad, which had been refuted for years, and it seems to be all the research keeps wrapping back around to this story, which is Tycho was either throwing or was at uh, a, quite a gala. Uh, these galas, if you've ever eaten food in a Danish restaurant, I used to live with uh, Danish people They have a uh, who ran a Danish restaurant. They have a, a, a long social history of their meals being events. Um, especially around this time and especially with nobility. Uh, you were talking about multiple courses that go on for hours. Um, and apparently Tycho had to go to the washroom. He'd be drinking heavily. Big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> He'd been drinking heavily. He had to go to the washroom. He, due to politeness, he stayed in place and he waited and he waited and he waited. Until apparently he he bursts his bladder. (laughs) I'm sorry to laugh at that, but apparently our our gentleman uh, gets sick very quickly after that meal and uh, dies very soon after that of, of what's presumed to be a burst bladder from waiting and sitting. Yep. So seems like a bad way to go for a very smart guy. You think he'd know enough to just go pee. And it seems to me that like, I I can't believe that that's actually a thing. Like it seems, I mean, it seems like a ludicrous way to, to, for for this to happen, but I mean, his body's been exhumed multiple times. It doesn't, they, people keep coming back to this premise of why he passed. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming that back then everybody just wasn't the healthiest. So I could see. Well, I mean, we already know there's alcoholism issues, right? Yeah. So He's li- he's living a, a, an aristocracy diet. It's probably got diabetes and gout or something yeah. along those lines. So it's undiagnosed. He could have been on the edge for a long time and just. And it's like you said, he's got he's got trace elements all throughout his body, whether it's through the paste of whatever is adhering this uh, prosthetic nose to his body, or or it's just this alchemy. Like it's funny. You know, we think of alchemy as like a thing of magic, but I mean, it, it was this, the philosophy, the idea of to the philosopher's stone turning lead to gold, whether that was like a metaphoric thing. And it was actually this metaphor for um, awakenment or enlightenment. I think that we look back and we put a lot of weight to that kind of idea when in reality, I think it was just really early chemistry and they were legitimately trying to turn lead into gold and they're creating, they're finding things like quicksilver. They're being able to pull elements out and actually have like base elements and none of that stuff's good for you. And I'm just going to put it out there. I doubt they were wearing gloves and goggles. Yeah. (laughs) No. This is stuff going right into lungs and right into your hands and maybe right into giant holes in your nose. Um, but 
after his death, there's a, a bit of a whirlwind because now you've lost somebody who has a huge portion of the wealth of the country. He has a wife and kids at this point, but he actually fell in love with a commoner. And there's this whole thing where the nobility couldn't marry someone of, you know, quote unquote, lesser breeding. So none of his children are granted nobility status. His wife isn't granted nobility status, which means all of his wealth and that observatory and every other thing is not going to the family. So there's this kind of whirlwind, which thankfully Kepler sweeps in there, gets all of his notes, gets all of his data, some of the equipment and spirits it away and, you know, is able to kind of go through and get, uh, continue his studies later on. But you have to figure it's one of these phenomenal stories where, had that not happened, had there even been a fire, had he dropped, had there been a flood, all of that data would have been lost. It's all gone at that and point. And those poor, you know, slaves that were on that island that he made make that paper mill, it would have been all for naught. Like yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, you know, it, it, well, what are we looking at here? 1960-ish is about when he starts, or 1960, 1560 is about when he starts doing that, the the, the clocking of stuff. And he um, ends up dying in 1601. So we're we're good to say 40 years worth of data, 30 years worth of solid data from Uraniborg. Anyway, for sure, yeah. If not 40 years worth of data. And this is this is the thing is that science is always around. Has, has, you know, the, 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 the idea of, the, of, of empiricism was not new. Um, you know, it's this idea, the, the, the idea of taking like incremental steps towards things and being able to observe based or be able to predict based on the observations is not a new idea, but who has the money to clock the movement of the skies to within, like you said, a thousandth of a degree. And this is all I never hear. He died eight years before Galileo studied the stars through the telescope. So just let that sink in for a minute. Like all of this. And then eight years passed before Galileo's looking up in the sky through a telescope. That's crazy. We're still, we're still, we're still 60 years away from Newton coming up with calculus at this point in Leibniz. I mean, so I. Good on you, Tycho. Yeah, whatever your name is. But Tycho, Tycho, this is a, so that always, when I first heard that story, that always blew my mind. And there's so much controversy. He's been, he was exhumed in like the 1900s and then exhumed again in 2010. Um, People are fascinated with him and with his story and the legends around him. And who knows how much of it is legend and how much of it is true. But fundamentally, I think you can say that uh, we would never have gotten Kepler's laws, which is how we we understand the universe today and the planetary motion today, without Tycho. For sure, 100%. So that's the story of Tycho Brahe, Tycho Brahe. Taika Watiti, uh, however you want to say his name. Johnny Look, Goldnose is his official name for Johnny Goldnose. <laughs> Look it up. It's phenomenal. Um, Pepper? Yeah, thanks, uh, Tycho. And your crazy beer drinking elk. <laughs> and on that, don't forget to science. We'll talk to you later, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
full list of our sources can be found on the show notes. But for today's research, we used gizmodo.com, smithsonianmag.com, britannica.com, galileo.rice.edu, as well as our friends at the High Altitude Observatory, www.hao.ucar.edu, and finally, Wikipedia. Follow Warbacks and Pepper New Science on all the socials, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. <laughs>